Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is The Mass Winds at Night by Alex Vitale. just fell out of your envelope. What is it? That's called a postcard, John. Well, yeah, I can see that. I mean, who sent it to us? Uh, do you have any family? Probably. What does it say? Let's see. Greetings from... Visitalville. Huh. Let me see. There's no return address. There isn't even a message, either. It's just a series of random numbers. That's it. We do not have time for this. Is there anything else? There's something tiny underlined at the bottom. It says, read your story, Jane. Hey, I should read my story. Great idea. I lived in Fairview my entire life. My great-grandfather was born on the East Coast, some inconsequential town in North Carolina, and settled in Fairview when he was about 20 years old. He, of course, had fallen in love with the town, with its quaint main street and locally owned businesses, great murders lying on each sidewalk. Everyone falls in love with Fairview. Ever since he settled here, our whole family has never seen it fit to leave. Fairview was perfect, after all, and you'd have to be crazy to want to raise a family anywhere else. When my sister got hitched to Bobby Higgins... They moved down the block from our family home. When Wesley and I eventually tie the knot, and I know we will, we're going to renovate his grandmother's old farmhouse on Brambleberry Lane. Right now, though, Wesley works in his family general store, and he'll take over that business when the time comes. I'm getting an online degree in childhood education, so I'll teach. Fairview Elementary is a fine school, and I just can't wait to have a hand in Fairview's future generations. We have everything planned out perfectly. And we'll never have to set foot outside our sunny little town. Why would we? Fairview has everything we need. It's the kind of town where everyone knows everyone, and the neighbors are always friendly. It's a dream come true. Of course, there is the mass, but we locals know how to deal with that. The mass begins to wind every night at 9.03 p.m. Sharp. It starts as a low buzz that rumbles through the town. And that's how we know it's time to put in our earplugs and turn the music up a little louder. Some of us have found that music doesn't really work for us, so we use white noise instead. Wesley ordered this darling little rain machine for me, and I keep it turned all the way up at night to combat the whining. By ten o'clock, the buzz grows into an uninterrupted keening. This echoes through the whole town, rattling glasses and picture frames. Sometimes it shatters street lamps, and the street sweepers have to work quickly after sunrise to clean it all up. My papa used to tell Lacey and I that he had to shove rags in his ears when he was a boy to keep out the noise. Marie, he'd say, always teetering back and forth in his rocking chair, you know, when I was your age, my friend Henri died on account he didn't listen to his papa. 
He didn't wear his earmuffs one night, you see, and he heard the mass. I wasn't sure how much I believed that story when I was a child, but I'd heard enough rumors at school about similar things. If you were ever caught without hearing protection when the mass started up at night, your ears would bleed and your brain would rupture. It was gross and wholly incorrect. The boys would torment us girls with their graphic depictions until a teacher would chew them out. Even so, it was enough to convince us to plug our ears each night. As we grew older, kids grew braver. Every once in a while, some dim-witted teenager would get it into his or her head that they'd go and see the mass in person. We know very well where it is, you see, and always have. It sits right out past the Bicentennial Park, down this little old nature trail that's gone ill-used for quite some time. They'd come back, most of the time, and offer up vague, half-traumatized reports on what they saw. Large, larger than any creature had any right to be, and always moving. It squirms, twisting around itself in oil-slicked knots. It pulses. It undulates. It's grotesque. It has no mouth to speak of, or any kind of face for that matter. That's what they say, at least. That's what's always been said about it, what's always been written in the Fairview history books. And that's why we call it the Mass. No one knows if it opens its mouth at night when it cries. No one knows if it has one. No Fairview resident has ever seen it at night. By the time midnight rolls around, the Mass's sorrowful moan has grown into a full-blown wail. It's an unofficial rule that all citizens should be in our houses by then. The walls, soundproofed and reinforced, keep most of the noise out. What those don't block, the TV will. Most of us like to watch movies at night, particularly long ones. Wesley likes to put on war films or action movies when he's over. The explosions do a lot to drown out the mass. I generally prefer a good rom-com, but Fifty First States doesn't exactly pack the same decibel as Die Hard. My movies are usually saved for the rare nights when the mass is satiated. We don't get too many visitors to Fairview, and the tourists we do get usually decide to stay. It's hard to resist a town with such old-world charm. Something about the friendly, southern mentality seems to draw people in. That isn't to say everyone stays. Every once in a while, we get newcomers who don't find Fairview quite as idyllic as we do. You can always tell the types right away, as they're always nervous. They'll jump when you greet them, giving you the side-eye like they've never heard the word hello before. Sometimes they'll stop for lunch. Our restaurants are all top-notch, home-cooked meals, farm to table and all that. But these tourists will scoff down their meal just to be done with it. To them, Fairview, our home, is nothing more than a gas station pit stop. They don't understand the real beauty of a small, perfect town. They don't understand it, and they don't deserve to. You see, the folks that come through here are more often than not on a road trip. Fairview is never a place you come to intentionally on your first visit. Rather, you find it by chance, a little hidden oasis in the world, 
I think that's why so many people choose to stay, at least in part. It's a little hidden gem, and unearthing it on your travels is like unearthing the biggest, shiniest diamond you've ever seen. Most miners would never dream of passing up an opportunity like that, but some foolish ones would rather cast that diamond aside in favor of hunting for bigger, shinier ones. They'll never find one, of course, but they certainly dream big. That's why the mass lacks those ones. It lacks ambition. When the RV camper pulled up outside Lucy's diner, all of us grew a little bit restless. It had been ages since we received a new visitor, and as the bell rang on the old restaurant door as it opened, all of us turned from our breakfast to look at the visitors. Admittedly, I didn't think they were much to look at. It was a pair of girls, college age. They looked a little apprehensive, a little fidgety, and the blonde girl kept pushing a loose strand of hair behind her ear. With their booty shorts and their graphic tees, they didn't really look like they fit in. Fairview takes pride in the sophisticated way its citizens dress. We aren't always donning our Sunday best, of course, but we always dress nice. These little girls, though, were dressed like slobs. That's not the Fairview way. Looks on everything, though. For all we knew, they'd been driving for hours and just looked a bit worse for the wear. We all went back to our meals. Wesley playfully snatched the maple syrup bottle out of my hand and nodded to the booth behind ours. He dropped his voice to a whisper. Look who's come to brunch, he grinned, cutting a piece of pancake with the side of his fork. Suppose they'll stick around? By the time 8.30 rolled around, it was clear that the answer to that question was a steadfast no. The girls were eager to get going, apparently put off by the laid-back and peaceful attitude of our little hamlet. It came as no surprise to learn that they'd only start to top off the gas tank of their monstrous vehicle. I reckoned it wasn't in their plan to stay so long, but time seems to slip by in a town like Fairview. Soon it was nightfall. The scented sun reminded all of us locals that we needed to be indoors soon. If visitors were smart, they do as the Romans do. Wesley and I spent that evening in each other's company, watching some gruesome horror movie he'd chosen. I wasn't particularly invested in it. Fitting my earplugs into place, I stood from the couch and wandered my house. Mama and Daddy must have already been asleep, as their bedroom light was out. It was ten at night now, and the town had gone to sleep with the waking at the mass. It bellowed its low, painful tones somewhere off in the distance, past the tree line. I couldn't see it out the window. No one could see it. All I could see out the window was Oak Street. The street lamps flickered with the rumbling of the earth, shaken in time with the ripple of the puddles below them. Two familiar shapes marched slowly down the street, following the road to the Bicentennial Park and the Nature Trail. I shut the blinds. The next week was pure bliss. The world was quiet at night, the only sound the peaceful chirping of crickets and the occasional croak of a bullfrog. I didn't need my white noise machine that week. We even got a chance to watch one of my movies for a change. Later, of course, the questions would come at the search parties, but they'd never turn anything up. 
but all that headache was days away. For now, the mess had had its fill, and Fairview was quiet and perfect. Wow, Fairview sure does seem like a nice town. We should visit. Were you listening? At all? Sure. Right. Anyways, what are we going to do with that card? I think I'll keep it on my fridge. I think it'll look nice. Unless you'd like to keep it, of course. (laughs) It's all yours. Good nondescript time of day, residents. This is your friendly reminder to return to your apartments by... Thank you for staying at the Uncommon Commons. Right on cue. See you later, Jane. Not if I can help it, John. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by Alex Vitale and George Plank. Our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson. You can contact us on Twitter at un underscore commons or via email at zero nullstreet at gmail.com. Like and review us on iTunes. Stay. And remember, nothing is real. <laughs>